You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The transfer portal has reopened for its spring period, and over the next couple of weeks, we get to figure out what the depth of your favorite team looks like, whether it's people are coming or going. Hello, it is Wednesday, April 19th. I am Brandon Marcello. You are listening to the College Football Daily. I want to jump right into this. We're bringing on 24-7 Sports' is Chris Hummer to discuss the transfer portal window opening, which opened this past Saturday when about 30-plus programs were still undergoing their own spring games and, of course, keeping one eye trained on the field and another trained on the portal themselves as they try to figure out if any of their players are leaving and also if there's any players out there they might be able to add. So, Chris Summer, in these first few days, we're up to almost about 300 FBS players that have entered the portal since Saturday. What are your first takeaways from this? Is this as busy as you thought it was going to be? Is it slower than you thought it was going to be? And what's the quality of players like? Talking to um, people in the industry, I think the consensus is it's a little slower than everybody anticipated. Um, that's for varying reasons. Everything from so many spring games yet to be completed and kind of spring exit meetings still yet to be done, which will have more players in later, to the fact that we've seen some um, probably higher tier players get locked up by their schools. So those kind of confluence of factors have resulted in a slightly slower portal window. But I mean, we're still just we're just under 300 players in about three and a half days. And if you kind of stack that out over a 15 day period, you're still looking at 800 to 1000 players entering the transfer portal. So it's it seems slow. And I guess it is a little slower than we anticipated, but it's still a lot of players in the portal. As for the quality, um, I think there's definitely some quality to be found you just have to sift through a lot of names i would say there are probably like out of those 300 or so players i would say there are probably like 40 like future power five players like 40 to 50 like starting caliber guys in the portal and like your degrees of quality of starting experience there will vary but um there are some definitely some decent players and one or two real standouts sprinkled in as well yeah i think one of the biggest names out there right now is Georgia defensive tackle Bear Alexander, who jumped in the portal. A lot of us were kind of expecting that. A lot of fire, or I should say smoke, uh, to USC potentially grabbing him uh, in the near future. And in fact, right before we recorded this on a Tuesday, TCU wide receiver Jordan Hudson jumped in the portal, uh, a former top 100 recruit just uh, about a year ago. Sonny Dykes losing a receiver. So, when we see some of these bigger names that have jumped in, one, I, I would ask, does this hurt Georgia and TCU? Probably not Georgia because they've got seemingly seven stars uh, everywhere on the roster. TCU, though, 
I think is a bigger question because one of everybody they were losing from last season, but secondly, they got to build some depth up there to to maintain expectations of being a top 15 or top 10 team this upcoming year. I guess we should start with Bear. I would, I mean, I would argue there just aren't a lot of like nose tackles that move the way he does. So it does hurt Georgia at least a little bit. Like Georgia's certainly um, insulated to the point where they'll probably weather the storm pretty well. But especially since they're already losing Jalen Carter. As yeah. So <laughs> you're losing two big mammoth guys in the middle there. Yeah. And Bear's like, Bear is projected to start, at least based on everything I understood. So, like, they're losing a significant piece. Like, Georgia's going to be fine, but like, it's not, it's certainly not ideal to lose him. As for Jordan Hudson, we, we broke that news earlier today, earlier on Tuesday. I, I mean, I think it depends on who you ask. Like, he's a really talented guy, like a top 100 recruit in the 2022 class. Like, he's going to have a lot of suitors. I can report that Arizona State and SMU will be right there for him, and I'm sure others. We'll join that very quickly. But TCU does have some talented receivers they've brought in. Um, I think Jordan's had an up and down spring. They're hoping to see a little more from him. So like while like long term, I think it's a really big deal to lose Jordan Hudson. Like he is one of the few wide receivers. He's like one of those guys, kind of like Quentin Johnson, that you can see if if things break right, he can be a future first round pick. And not having him in his ro- on the roster is certainly a negative. But at least it's a position for TCU where they have quite a bit of depth and talent already. Down the list here of players there's there's some notable names but i did want to get into this here early in our conversation which would better set this table i think which teams out there have the most needs right now and then also which teams out there could be hurt just by simply losing one or two guys at some key spots everybody wants to keep pretty much everybody on campus but you know there's some programs out there that are really hungry in the portal right now for example uh, tcu is and trying to help up their quarterback spot, finding a backup. Then you look at maybe an Auburn, where they need pieces all over the place as they do a complete rebuilding job there under Hugh Freeze. Which which programs out there are we really keeping an eye on here over these next few weeks? I would argue the large majority of teams need at least one or two players at varying positions. Like even Ohio State, like if the right offensive tackle came along, I think they'd be very interested. As far as teams that need Big numbers, like I think TCU is certainly one. They need a quarterback, defensive lineman, cornerback, tight end. Um, Purdue needs an offensive tackle, defensive tackle, quarterback, wide receiver. Um, Cincinnati needs multiple wide receivers. Um, I think USC is hoping to add an edge player, defensive lineman, and an offensive lineman. Penn State could use another offensive lineman, a DT, and a wide receiver. So like, even really good teams are looking to add depth and shore up their rosters in a lot of spots. So I think you're going to see, I think, active in the portal um, for this cycle outside of maybe Colorado, which could be very aggressive once again, will be like three to five players. But those are some of the teams I'd watch in addition to Colorado because Colorado is going to continue to be extraordinarily aggressive in the portal. On Colorado, is are there any big names in the mix for Colorado here early? Because we've mentioned a couple already and we did not hear Colorado's names attached to this. And we know Coach Prime, you know, it's, he's not hard to find as he keeps telling everybody. But what, are, what do you see them doing here the next few weeks? There's a linebacker named J.D. Davis. Um, he actually comes from Jackson State. He just picked up an Oklahoma offer yesterday. He's already picked, already visited Texas A&M in Kentucky. He is going to visit Colorado next week. Um, they're in the mix for him. Cameron Johnson, a first-team all-conference tackle, or a first-team all-conference guard from Houston, has Colorado in the mix. Um, he's supposed to visit USC soon, but he's also looking at Colorado and Arizona State and 
I think Colorado is going to continue to be very active on a lot of these guys that have gone on the portal recently. I think Colorado views the portal as the ability to upgrade their roster at pretty much every position right now. And I would not be shocked to see them add five to 10 more players, if not more, this cycle, despite adding 25 plus last time around. So they're, they're going to be very aggressive in the portal. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I know there was a lot of talk there at Colorado about how they had about 50 scholarship players there on campus this spring that were scholarship players last year at Colorado. And there were murmurs that they might lose 20 to 25, which of course, maybe some embellishment there, but it just goes to show you just how much fluctuation there is out there for the Buffaloes in the early tenure here of Coach Prime. You look across elsewhere across college football, any other programs standing out right now to you? USC's, I think, in the pole position for Bear Alexander, that's a huge deal. Kentucky's being really aggressive to add an offensive lineman and a defensive back. Kentucky's offensive line, as we a lot of us know, struggled last year mightily. Big, big reasons there for why Kentucky didn't live up to some of those expectations, which is crazy to think Kentucky's got high expectations, but <laughs> they do under Mark Stoops. So what about um what about Derek yeah. McClendon leaving Florida State, the edge rusher there? What kind of player is he? This is a guy that's still got, what, four years remaining. So he, he could be someone we'll be talking about for quite a while, wherever he lands. I'm very interested to see what happens with Derek McClendon, too. It's been kind of a weird situation. Um, he left Florida State, where he was expected to be a pretty significant contributor. I don't know if he would have started, but he would have been a rotational defender on a really good team. And he would have had a lot of opportunities for pass rush snaps. And he's been pretty productive when he's on the field. I think there's a possibility he might end up back at Florida State. I think he was one of those guys that was expecting some NIL considerations. Uh, so that's certainly played a factor in his process. He's taking official visits to Missouri and South Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. South Carolina especially could use a really big 
yes. really use some help off the edge. So I'll, I'll be curious to see where that one ends up. It's been quiet the last couple of days with Derek McClendon, but he's certainly one of the more intriguing options in the portal. I think South Carolina, if you just want to talk on interesting teams, has a pretty concerning situation with their starting left tackle who was injured in the spring game. Yeah, we don't quite um, know the extent of that, do we? Yeah, um, but that's that's been a point of discussion yeah. kind of on message boards recently and over at the Big Spur. And um, I, I think there's a possibility that South Carolina might need to find a offensive tackle in the portal um, to kind of help shore up that position. So we're in the time of year when one or two injuries or a surprising transfer can force a team into the transfer market. Um, you were talking about interesting teams earlier, and this is not really an interesting team for the, what they've added, but like I think Ole Miss is the most, still the most fascinating situation in college football because of their quarterback room. Only one of Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders can play <laughs> next season, or at least one of them can start. And I'll be very curious to see who ends up winning that battle. I think a lot of the buzz right now is in Jackson Dart's favor. And I've gotten varying answers as to whether Spencer Sanders could even transfer again. So that's a situation to watch. There's certainly the Brock Vandegrift situation at Georgia from a quarterback perspective. Yeah, you know, and that's it's what's interesting of these quarterback situations. You know, you look at the Ole Miss's fan board. Some of them think Walker Howard should even be the starter this year. It tells you just kind of how no more, no more popular are. player than the uh, second or third string quarterback. You're, huh? you're exactly right, and especially when they're a new face. But two of those faces, there are new for Ole Miss. And a lot of people assume Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, who was uh, had a roller coaster career at Oklahoma State, but when he was good, he was good. Thought that, hey, he's coming in. He's probably going to end up being the starter. But man, the feedback has been that Jackson Dart has responded very well. I think throughout the spring, based off of what, I, what I've been reading, he only threw one interception in all practices and all their several scrimmages they had, including their spring game. And so the feeling around there is that Jackson Dart might actually still be the starter after last season. And yet you've got a guy who came in, Walker Howard, and of course, Spencer Sanders. And all of a sudden they might be on the outside looking in. And this is the other storyline that goes across all of campuses across the country. The fact and the, and the battle that you have every day as a coach to keep players happy, to try to make sure they don't leave you know, it's one one effort to get NIL money for players so that they can to convince them to leave. It's another just to be like, well, you have a realistic shot to play here. And there's a lot of coaches out there, and especially I, I would say this, a lot of offensive line coaches across the country and defensive line coaches talking to me here this spring about how much they're trying to keep their rooms together. And by doing so, they feel like they'll be in a better spot, obviously, but through the spring. Of course, you're rotating players in and out a lot, but you're trying to find a way to rotate them in and keep the players believing that they've got a shot to increase their playing time, even if you know in the back of your mind they might not necessarily be a big rotational player for you next season. Is that right or wrong? Is there some cloak and dagger with that? Certainly, but it's always kind of been like that in coaching. Uh, Not everybody's telling you the truth at all times. They just want to tell you what you want to hear, but especially these days with this second transfer portal window when, goodness gracious, you don't want to enter spring practices with, say, eight guys you feel good about along the offensive line, and then you exit spring practices and you all of a sudden only have six or seven. That's a big change for you. And why, Chris, offensive linemen especially, and then also defensive linemen are so important to these coaches in the transfer portal. They see a guy jump in, and he might be a backup somewhere who has maybe only started like two or three games in his whole career, but all of a sudden, they've got like renewed life. These coaches are going after them. They're getting all these calls and everything, whereas 
goodness gracious, I would think that even if you talk, try to talk to these guys back in December in the first transfer portal window, maybe they wouldn't have gotten as much play out there on the recruiting trail. Absolutely. Um, I think if you're a uh, offensive lineman and you've played some snaps and you move decently well, and even if you're just okay, you're going to have double digit offers um, because everybody needs one right now. And I, I will totally agree with what you're saying. Like coaches are counting down the days till May 1st. Um, <laughs> May 1st is the day their roster um, is set for it. Lock the, lock the roster. Yep. Lock the doors. Uh, nobody can leave unless you're a grad transfer. You have fewer restrictions that way. But um, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a critical time for coaching staffs and you're certainly going to see some fudging of the truth about these competitions. You see it most in the quarterback room where um, it's most dangerous because only one player can play and it's pretty obvious who's getting the first team reps. Right. You see schools handle those quarterback battles a little differently than other positions, but it certainly matters along the offensive and defensive line. Like at schools like Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State, like if you lose a backup, you're likely losing your future. And if you're at a G5 school and you lose a quality offensive lineman, you're probably losing one of your best players. And schools on both sides of this are trying to hold on to their linemen because there's really, especially this time of year when the transfer portal is more for filling holes um, yeah. than it is for anything else. Like those offensive and defensive line spots and those offensive and defensive line spots on the two deep are so critical. And these teams are trying to do their best to either hold on to what they got or add one or two more. Are there any big names that have yet to enter the portal that maybe we should keep an eye on that might enter the portal? Speculating, I think is dangerous in our industry. Um, oh, sure. But, yeah, um, but there are definitely some rumors <laughs> flying around about some guys like, uh, we talked about Jordan Hudson earlier. That had been one I'd been hearing for a few days, um, and it came to a head this morning. I think it's fair to say we talked about it a little bit earlier that like only one quarterback can play a lot of places, and the quarterback market right now is not great. Um, a lot wow. of schools are hoping uh, a couple of different guys go in. We mentioned Brock Vandergriff earlier. He had a quote, I think, after the spring game this week saying he wasn't sure if he was going to return to Georgia. He had to pray on it, I believe. So he's saying the quiet part out loud. It's certainly a consideration for him. He's a former five-star passer. I can think of several other backup quarterbacks um, in situations where they're not probable to start that might need to move on. So that's that's a position. But um, you definitely have other positions of need for teams and schools trying to push them in. And it's a uh, it's an interesting time because SEC schools, usually yeah. the more aggressive schools about pushing people in, can't push people in in their own league because you can't transfer SE to C to SEC right now. The cutoff was February 1st. So if you need a guy, if you're in the SEC, um, you got to look elsewhere. So I, I certainly think there's a lot of schools back channeling around and trying yeah. to maybe find the right guy in the right situation. And the, and the SECs always fed off each other, whether it's through coaching changes. Like I'm actually putting together this coaching carousel thing we do every year, this coaching carousel audit. And it's just amazing how much more the SEC hires from within, from team to team, but also in the transfer portal. I mean, goodness gracious, look at Max Johnson and his career trajectory. Zach Calzada as well, who was in the SEC, then in the another SEC school. Now he's now the now he's out of the SEC, but they can't do that in the second transfer portal window. And as much as we've talked about evening the playing field, so to speak, for all programs in college football, it's not necessarily that right now for the SEC. They've kind of hamstrung themselves a little bit and I guess the effort to protect their own rosters because yeah. you said February 1st was the cutoff date for them to transfer within the conference and maintain immediate eligibility. So I think that that's held some guys back from entering the portal. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it hamstrung them, but I think a lot of coaches in that league are also happy not to have to watch their flank um, from their neighbors. Sure. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a give and take there. And I, I could argue it's kind of an advantage. Like, obviously, like, it's unfortunate if an SEC player goes in, you can't go after him. But um, it just means SEC schools know where their targets have to lie. Um, and a lot of these SEC caliber players who enter the portal, like the really good ones, like a lot of them want to stay in the SEC anyway. So they're discouraged from entering in this period. So there, there are definitely situations with like a Bear Alexander. I'm sure Texas A&M would have loved a second shot at Bear Alexander, for example. But um, if Brock Vandergriff was eligible to go to the SEC, he would drive about two and a half hours south and to the west and be the immediate starter at Auburn. Yeah, um, there, I can think of they two SEC it. schools that would have loved to have sure. a shot at Brock Vandergriff if he went in. Um, another one next to that Georgia border over in Gainesville. But like, that's just a point of consideration for Brock Vandergriff. He chose to stick around and um, be in that quarterback battle with Carson Beck. And now like, he has a decision to make, as he said earlier this year, and it would somewhat limit his possibilities. I mean, I should say, you can still transfer to another SEC school. You just can't use the one time. Yeah eligibility waiver or the grad transfer waiver you have to sit like a old transfer would so it's definitely an it's definitely a uh it's a very unique wild card thrown in the situation from the sec this is the first year of the two transfer portal windows the first in december now this one in the spring for a couple of weeks the feedback i would say has been at best mixed for this second transfer portal window but i would i mean everything's anecdotal depending on who you talk to but most of the coaches i talk to right now just hate it they hate this spring window so chris one what's the feedback been like for you on your end about this just this one window and the timing of it and secondly tell our listeners is this here to stick around next year and beyond i mean i think it just as you said i think it's definitely anecdotal and depends on who you talk to some coaches i think are in favor of it because if this window wasn't here uh, this time last year it was open season the entire spring so you don't even really know when your roster could fall apart so that that is a that is a difference maker there, and I think some coaches really favor that. But I mean, even the timing here is questionable. Like April fifteenth is kind of a weird time. Like you've got like schools like UCLA that only started spring practice like last week, and then you've got schools like Michigan that have been done with spring practice for two weeks. So it's a very different um, calendar setup for a lot of schools. But it's not like it wasn't on the horizon for these schools. Um, so they've had time to deal with it. It's just the circumstances. And I think overall coaches would still prefer to only have to deal with transfers for 60 days as opposed to 365. As for whether the rule will be in place next year, um, the NCAA is always tinkering. I've heard varying responses to that from people across the country about whether it will be or whether it won't be. Um, I don't have a concrete answer on that one, but um, I'll, I'll be curious to see. I think it's more than likely going to be here in some capacity because players are going to need the opportunity to transfer at some point during the spring. And I guess in a lot of ways, this is the lesser evil for some of the coaches as well. When they look at the way this is set up. Busy time at college football, as always, Chris Summer with the Intel in the transfer portal right now. Make sure to go to 247sports.com for the complete coverage of the transfer portal season and all things college sports. Make sure to follow Chris Summer on Twitter and all socials as well for up to the minute updates as players do enter the portal. It's always a good place to be when you're trying to keep up to date with this. And I mean, I'm, look, I'm looking at Chris Hummer on camera right now. I'm pretty sure he's probably either looking at the portal or he's trying to find out if something just happened. It's just like that. And uh, it's it's a crazy time. So for Chris Hummer, I'm Brandon Marcello. Thanks again for listening to the College Football Daily. We will see you down the road.
The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.